The Daily 202's Big Idea is supported by Battelle. For 90 years, the employees of Battelle have solved the world's most challenging problems, finding solutions and really big ideas. At Battelle, it can be done. Learn more at battelle.org 90. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 19th. In today's news, the NRA promises to fight a draft White House plan for expanding background checks to buy guns. The new national security advisor solidifies Mike Pompeo's power. And Justin Trudeau apologizes after a photo emerges of him wearing brown face. The Canadian prime minister says he was dressing up as Aladdin for a party. But first, the big idea. The whistleblower complaint that has triggered a tense showdown between the U.S. intelligence community and Congress involves President Trump's communications with a foreign leader. Trump's interaction with the foreign leader included a promise that was regarded as so troubling that it prompted an official in the U.S. intelligence community to file a formal whistleblower complaint with the Inspector General for the Intelligence Community. Official Washington has been fixated for days on the contents of this whistleblower report, which threatens to create a constitutional crisis. My colleagues Greg Miller, Ellen Nakashima, and Shane Harris were able to suss out previously unknown details overnight with the help of Carol Lennig and Julie Tate. We still do not know which foreign leader Trump was speaking with or what he pledged to deliver but the president's direct involvement in the matter has not been previously disclosed. This raises new questions about the president's handling of sensitive information and will further strain his relationship with U.S. spy agencies. One former official said the promise was made during a phone call. Intelligence Community Inspector General Michael Atkinson determined that the whistleblower complaint was credible and troubling enough to be considered a matter of urgent concern. That's a legal threshold that ordinarily requires notification of congressional oversight committees. But acting director of national intelligence Joseph McGuire, recently appointed by Trump, has refused to share details about Trump's alleged transgression with lawmakers. This has touched off a legal and political dispute that is spilled into public now and is prompting speculation that the spy chief is improperly protecting the president. The dispute is expected to escalate further later today when Atkinson appears behind closed doors before the House Intelligence Committee during a classified session. The hearing is the latest move by committee chairman Adam Schiff, a Democrat from California, to compel U.S. intelligence officials to disclose the full details of the whistleblower complaint to Congress. This complaint, we've learned, was filed with Atkinson's office on August 12th. That's a day on which Trump was at his golf resort in New Jersey. White House records indicate that Trump had conversations or interactions with at least five foreign leaders in the preceding five weeks. Among them was a call with Russian President Vladimir Putin that the White House initiated on July 31st. Trump also received at least two letters from North Korean leader Kim Jong-un during the summer, describing them publicly as beautiful messages. In June, Trump said again publicly that he was opposed to certain CIA spying operations against North Korea. Referring to a Wall Street Journal report that the agency had recruited Kim's half-brother, Trump said he would tell Kim that would never happen under his auspices. 
Trump met with other foreign leaders at the White House in July, including the Prime Minister of Pakistan, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, and the Emir of Qatar. Trump's handling of classified information has been a source of profound concern to U.S. intelligence officials since the outset of his presidency. In May 2017, Trump revealed incredibly sensitive classified information about ongoing espionage operations inside Syria to senior Russian officials in the Oval Office. These disclosures prompted a scramble among White House officials to contain the potential damage. By law, McGuire is required to transmit these whistleblower complaints to Congress within seven days if they're deemed credible. In this case, he refrained from doing so only after turning for legal justification to officials at Bill Barr's Justice Department. In a sign of Atkinson's discomfort with this situation, the inspector general then informed the House and Senate Intelligence Committees of the existence of the whistleblower complaint without revealing its substance in early September. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a leaked Trump plan to expand background checks on firearm sales prompted attacks from the National Rifle Association. The NRA immediately dismissed the plan drafted by the Justice Department as a non-starter. A White House spokesman then denied that the White House document was a product of the White House. Seriously. Even though the White House Director of Legislative Affairs was going around Capitol Hill at that very moment, briefing GOP senators on the plan's details and saying that it was the White House's plan. Many Republicans who reviewed the specifics of the background checks measure remained lukewarm about it, and a handful of the Republican senators who had been directly briefed by Barr the day before yesterday about the plan said the proposal was incomplete at best. Trump claimed that a deal on guns has become much harder because of Beto O'Rourke's call for a mandatory buyback program for assault-style weapons. He says that that's made it harder for him to bring Republicans along. Meanwhile, a new report released today by Democrats on Congress's Joint Economic Committee measures the staggering human economic toll of gun violence in each of the 50 states. Some key findings. Firearms killed more people than motor vehicle accidents for the first time ever in 2017. 60% of gun deaths each year are suicides. Gun violence costs this country $229 billion a year or 1.4% of our nation's GDP. Compared to other high-income countries, the U.S.'s gun-related fatality rate is nearly 50 times higher for teens and young adults. Number two, Trump tapped Robert C. O'Brien, who previously served as the nation's top hostage negotiator, to be the new national security advisor a week after he fired John Bolton. Insiders tell us that O'Brien's appointment solidifies Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's status as the most influential foreign policy voice in the administration. Pompeo has known O'Brien for years and backed his ascension to the job after battling with Bolton over an array of policy issues from Afghanistan and Iran to North Korea. Officials tell us that O'Brien's friendly demeanor and experience as a lawyer could bring more stability and collegiality to an often chaotic policymaking process going into the 2020 election. The new national security chief forged a personal relationship with Trump while working to secure the freedom of American hostages. People close to some of the hostages who have been freed and their families say they believe O'Brien's appointment might bring more attention to their plight. Since the beginning of the Trump administration, some 20 Americans have been released from imprisonment or captivity abroad. O'Brien has shown himself to be a skilled bureaucrat, developing a strong channel to top administration officials and securing a role in policy deliberations beyond hostage issues. From the sidelines, 
Bolton is making little secret of his disagreements with the president. Politico reports that Bolton ripped into Trump several times during a luncheon speech yesterday to the Gatestone Institute, a conservative think tank. He said that inviting the Taliban to Camp David sent a terrible signal and that it was disrespectful to the victims of 9-11 because the Taliban harbored al-Qaeda. Bolton also said that any negotiations with North Korea and Iran are, quote, doomed to failure. Number three, Justin Trudeau apologized for wearing brownface and blackface after a yearbook picture surfaced showing him at an Arabian Nights-themed party in 2001, embroiling the Canadian prime minister in another scandal as he struggles to win a second term. The photograph published by Time magazine and taken while Trudeau was a teacher at the private West Point Gray Academy in Vancouver depicts the then 29-year-old smiling while wearing a feathered turban, his face darkened in a practice with racist roots. He said he shouldn't have put on makeup to make his Aladdin costume work. Speaking on his plane to reporters late last night, he said he apologizes more than a dozen times and that he was sorry several more times. Trudeau also admitted to wearing blackface in high school while singing the song Day-O at a talent show. Now, Trudeau, who was a darling when he first took office and still is very popular on the international stage, has seen his popularity sag back home. And he's facing a very formidable challenge from Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer. Scheer blasted his opponent last night and called the brownface photo an act of open mockery and racism. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 19th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.